It's my pleasure this morning Thank you, to welcome Reverend Billy Russell uh, as our guest speaker. Uh, why is Billy uh, our speaker? Well, I know Billy because of a journey, guys and gals, that I had a privilege to go on this past May. Uh, it was with a group called Transform Minnesota, and I participated in a trip uh, where there were 15 black pastors paired with 15 white pastors to multiple locations in the South to explore the history of racial relations in the U.S. Um, there's a picture here, uh, if I can go to the next slide after this, um, of the group that I was able to go with. And um, I'm in the way back, right, and uh, Billy's back there on the left. And on the first day of our journey with this group, we were able to visit uh, the 16th Street Baptist Church in Birmingham, Alabama, a church you may have heard of, where four young girls were murdered in a racially motivated bombing on September 15th, 1963. We then crossed to Kelly Ingram Park where many months prior to that in 1963, uh, uh, prior to that bombing, police officials sick dogs on black children looking to peacefully demonstrate and talk with the mayor. If we can go to the next slide. Um, At that park is where Billy and I first had our first conversation. It was in this conversation and atmosphere that I got to know Billy and his heart and his history and his journey, at least a small sliver of it. And as I listened to him, Southwest, I said, Southwest needs to hear from this man. Billy's story, his heart for Christ, in spite of radical hardships and his own journey, were inspiring not only to me, but so many on the trip. And by the end of the trip, uh, with 30 pastors, so many pastors were gathered around Billy, uh, looking to be challenged, to laugh, and to learn. Billy has uh, bachelor's degrees in physical education. He has master's degrees in both educational administration and Christian counseling, a PhD in strategic leadership. He served on the board of, and still serves on the board of multiple ministries and charitable organizations. Please welcome with me, Billy Russell. God, how we thank you for this opportunity that we can be together in this place with these students and teachers and administrators. We thank you for giving us the opportunity to stand before them right now. Be a blessing to us as we bless your name. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Good morning. Is it still morning? Yeah. Y'all doing all right? It's okay to nod your head or say something. I'm used to people making noise. I, um, I was trying to figure out how to approach you this morning, but, but you know, I really had to um, come and get a feel and get to see who you are before I could figure out the kind of approach I would take this morning to tell you at least a snippet of my story. I can't, I don't have time to tell the whole thing. It would take me probably a whole semester, a whole book, and that's why I'm in the process of writing about this journey. But I am Billy Russell. I pastored for 40 years in um, 20 years in Mississippi and 20 years in Minneapolis, South Minneapolis. I'm from Southern Mississippi, um, a place called Columbia. Columbia is 83 miles south of Jackson. You probably heard a lot about Jackson in the news lately with their water problem and the water situation. I grew up. 83 miles south of there, and 60 miles off the coast of Mississippi, where back in 1967, we probably had one of the worst 
hurricane disaster, even more than what you're seeing right now in Florida. I've lived through that. Uh, a full night, full eight hours of hurricane winds of more than 200 miles per hour. A time when everything, every tree, every house, even every church was flattened. We lived through it. Many deaths, but we made it, and I thank God for that. So, that's, I grew up in, in Columbia. Mickey, you might know it better by this. I actually went to school um, in the same district. There was two different schools in the district. I went to Marion County, and Walter Payton went to Columbia High School. Uh, you may know Walter Payton. He played professional football, probably one of the best ever. I grew up with Walter. Walter, maybe two years older than me, but I played against Walter. Um, I was a freshman and he was a senior, and I didn't get a chance to tackle him at all. <laughs> like I closed my eyes and when I looked back, he was in the end zone turning flips. But at least I, I went to the same, I was in, I could say I played on the field with him. And then when it comes time for me to go to college, Walter was in, at Jackson State, and he was the top running back in the nation. And I wanted to go to Alcorn because Alcorn and Jackson played uh, at the end of the year on Thanksgiving Day, and I wanted to play against Walter. Well, I signed with Alcorn, but then my life took a turn. I had been dating this little girl since I was nine years old. And suddenly by the time I got to be around 17, a senior in high school, I realized I wanted to be with this girl the rest of my life. And what happened is we did really start getting serious. And by the time I was 20, she was 20, we got married. And now we've been married. In other words, then you can figure out how old I am. She, um, um, we, we, was, we was courting, or, you know, whatever y'all call it today. We, we did that for 50, 56 years. Since, from the time I was nine years old, and then we, for 56 years we did that. You're going to figure out my age in a minute. We've been married for 45 years. And for that 45 years, yeah. And there are, we have four children, and one of them passed away, that's a whole story, but I had my son, uh, I call him son, he's, um, but he's Dr. Chavez Russell, he's actually was the principal of a, of a charter school, but now he took my position at the church, because I'm a retired pastor now, and they do a whole lot of other things. So, but that son is there, and my, I got a daughter that's at Burnsville. She's a counselor, but she also has an administrative license. And I got another, my younger son is in Phoenix, Arizona, and he is a mental health professional. He and his wife are both there in, in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. Um, so after that 45 years, knowing where we come from, knowing what, I, what we had to go through to get to where I am, I'm proud to say that I passed it for 40 years. I'm proud to say that I actually worked in the school. I was a, a teacher 
I taught science in school, and I taught driver's ed. And I worked my way up, and I got to be the principal of this school that I graduated from, high school. And that's the story behind the school, the ranks I had to come through. The same school that did not want me when segregation was going on, the school did not, did not want me. I went through that school after all the struggles, and I became principal of the whole school, K through 12. I was the overall administrator. And so God allowed me to stay at that school for 17 and a half years. So I was in the school system for 22 years in public school, in the charter school for the last uh, 20 years. So you can add all that up and, and I, you can see how many years I got in the, in the school, in the classroom. But also I worked, at, um, I worked at Austin High School. Anybody know where Austin is, Austin High School? It's Harmel is there. And I was, I was the first black teacher to work at Austin. And I, I was in the ALC, the Area Learning Center. And I stayed there for two years until I came to Greater Friendship. But then on the other hand, I also worked at um, John Adams Middle School for a number of um, years. And I just mainly just kind of helped out. I really couldn't get all into it because I was still pastoring the church. Um, so my pastoring, my working in the schools, many other community events we've, I participated in, but it took something to get there. I told you I grew up in the South. And just a little stuff I put together. I'm a baby boomer, if you hadn't figured out my age by now. Um, I came of age in the 60s. And it was during that time, the civil rights movement. I, I grew up during that time. And that civil rights movement still grips me. It um, defines me in so many ways. And there was no other thing that happened during the last 400 years that was greater than the civil rights movement. People that you know, have you heard of the most eloquent speaker was Dr. Martin Luther King. Um, Dr. Martin Luther King was actually a member of the convention, the National Baptist Convention, where I was a part of. He had to really um, struggle because the convention did not want to be involved in, in civil rights. So that's when Dr. Martin Luther King split out from the National Baptist Convention. That's a little piece of history. Just, just listen to me. And, and he beca it became the, uh, the, the civil rights movement under Dr. Martin Luther King. But he was not the only spokesman during that time. It was a many spokesmen who never got the, uh, the TV coverage. They probably did a whole lot more than what Dr. Martin Luther King did. We're proud of his work. Thank God for him. But this young man born January 15, 1929, he was shot down. And as a young boy, I, I was in this, this school and I wondered why that somebody this young that was speaking against segregation, equal rights, why did he have to die? Because the, the world I grew up in, you all, if you just started in the 60s, 
I'm a product of that. I, I don't have to, I've read a lot. I read a lot of books. I do a lot of things for reading and, and uh, auto books, that kind of stuff. But segregation was the world that I grew up in. Legally mandated separation of all kind of, of all races of all levels, separate schools, separate motels, separate restrooms, separate swimming pools. We were not allowed to even drink from the same water fountain. There was restaurants that we were not allowed to go into. Matter of fact, one time my dad was preaching in Jackson, Mississippi, and I was, after a revival, we, he, he was hungry and he wanted to get something to eat. The only restaurant that would take us was this little hot dog stand, and they told us, you got to go to the back. And it was at that time that I heard my daddy, he's a strong man, Baptist preacher, been pastoring a long time, but the words of that person said, boy, you know you got to go to the back. And that's when something welled up in me. I like, daddy, we don't have to be here. We don't have to go to the back. Why? That's nope, 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 let's go. And that was in Jackson, Mississippi. And I asked the question after that event. I said, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? Martin King was calling for freedom and justice that was long overdue. Many things have changed since that time. I don't have time to go through a lot of stuff, but I can tell you about what happened the first day we walked into school. I can tell you about what happened when I was falsely accused of looking at a white girl, and she said I winked my eye at her, and I can tell you some stories what happened behind that. I did not do it, but the police came to get me. They had a mob waiting on me. God protected me. My dad was in Chicago preaching. I was at home. My mom stood in the doorway and told him, and she was nine months pregnant with my baby brother. Said, you'll get him over my dead body. And she wouldn't let him in. And by the time the community found out what was going on, the community came down. It was a big uprising to keep them from getting me, to take me somewhere. I don't know what would happen if they would get me there. So growing up in that time of racism, people ask me a question like, what did racism look like in the past? And what does it look like now? What did racism look like in Mississippi? And what, how, how is that compared to Minnesota? That's a whole story. Well, I can tell you, there was the Great Migration. I don't know if anybody ever read the Great Migration. You can read it. You can find the journey. There was a such thing as the Great Migration. People moved from the South, came to the North, looking for better life. They moved to Chicago. They moved to Gary, Indiana. They moved to Detroit. They moved to Ypsilanti, Michigan. They moved to New York. They moved to Los Angeles, California. They moved to Milwaukee. But they weren't moving to Minnesota. <laughs> I think they looked at Minnesota and saw it was going to be 15 degrees below zero in January. That's what kept me from, here, uh, from coming here back in, in, in the 1990s. I had, a, I had a chance to come to Minneapolis to work at North High School. But I had said, no, no way. Thank you, but 15 below, 20 below, I can't stand that. 
But then about two years later, my wife got an offer to come to the Mayo Clinic to work as a nurse practitioner. And when I saw the offer sheet, I looked at it, I said, maybe we could stand it for two or three years. <laughs> and then we'll come back south. Um, but here it is, 22 years later, and we're still here. I got a lot of stories about racism and what happened at Austin High School, what happened in Rochester, um, at different schools and churches and everything else. I could talk to you about what has changed, what has not changed, and maybe some questions we look at maybe tomorrow. I could talk about what activism looked like then and what it looks like now. And I could describe, give examples of race relations and how you compare Minneapolis to the nation. I talk a lot on that. But out of all that I experienced, my message today is we are better together. Out of all we went through in the schools, let me tell you what better together came from. In high school, well, let me back up. We was in the, in the um, elementary school through middle school. They kept us, the, the few of us that was there, they kept us in one room under the gym. What was that? There was just one door in, and it only had one light in this big space. That's where we, it put us. And we had to eat at separate times. We had recess at separate times. In other words, we couldn't mix at all. That's what it was in my middle school life. But in, in high school, trust me, they had a black teacher over here. We're in the same classroom, but a black teacher and a white teacher in the same classroom. That's where it was, in the same classroom. But then, when we had homecoming, it was a black homecoming queen and a white homecoming queen. It was a black parade, it was a white parade. That's what went on. It was a white football team, it was a black football team. Keith Toller and I, we grew up together through all of that. Keith was one of the ones who befriended me and tried to help me navigate through all that was going on in the school. But Keith had to be Keith when he was with Keith's people. He couldn't show people he really liked me. He was pulling for me. But then we went to, um, when it came to the, the, the senior year in football, Keith and I agreed, because we, we hadn't won a game, black, black team and white team, nobody won a game. But during our senior year, we decided to come together. And coming together, playing together. We begged the coaches because we had a black coach and they had a white coach. But we came together my senior year and guess what? We won every game. We won the Apache Conference Championship together. Keith played quarterback and I was the tight end. And he kept on throwing me jump passes. And every time he threw me a jump pass, so many times I, I just ran because I, I was pretty fast. But that's, that's where Better Together came from. We realized that black and white could come together, all races. And I realize that race is now more, more than just about black and white. 
because I, I taught it in one school, there were six or seven different, different languages being spoken, so I know it's not just about black and white anymore, but that's the world I grew up in. But after coming through all of that, I had some challenges with my faith. And all the messages, all the, the times I heard my daddy preach, and I had been challenged by my Sunday school teacher, Billy, are you saved? I said, no. He said, do you want to be saved? I said, yes. And he led me through the plan of salvation. And yes, I was saved. But going through that environment, I just had, I just had some serious issues. And I asked daddy, how is it that you keep preaching? He kept preaching saying, God is for you. God is for you. God is for you. But I said, how can you say God is for me when all this stuff is happening? What's wrong with us? What's wrong with me? That it have to happen feeling like black was a, being black was a disease. And these are the words my dad gave me. Psalms 118. From my distress, I called on the Lord. And the Lord answered me and set me in a large place. And here's what he said. The Lord is for me. The Lord is for me. I will not fear. What can man do to me? What can man do? Because God, if God is for me, then, then I have no reason to walk around in fear. What can man do? The Lord is among those who helped me. He placed people in my life who spoke into my life, who helped me to grow in my faith. Because people want to know, how did you get through all of that? It was my faith that got me through. Yes, they taught me how to be humble, how to be whole. In other words, make sure I had a good devotional life. That's what kept me grounded. So yes, humble. Humble yourself. Under the mighty hand of God. He said, guess what? He will exalt you in due time. And you want to know how I got to where I am? God did it. Through it all. As I humbled myself and I practiced that wholeness in my devotional life. And it helped me to be an honorable person growing up. So you may hear me say, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Yes, sir, no, sir. And you may be a whole lot younger than me, but I still give you that kind of respect. And as a people, every day, every day, we must, I don't care what has happened in life. And this is what, what as I kept growing and growing and growing, see, every day we must celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's why I came up with Jesus as the answer. And you heard the other song, Have a Little Church. That's what they used to say in the South every time we would come to the church building sometime outside. Where we was, they, the cry was, let's have a little church. Make no difference what we are. Let's have a little church. On Monday night, we had circle meetings at various houses in the community. Have a little church. Because every day we had, we had to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We truly believe. I truly believe he was crucified on Friday, died in the late afternoon. He was buried in a borrowed tomb. But guess what? He's not there. I've been to Israel. 
And I've gone to the place where they say he was buried. Guess what? The linen cloth was there where he laid. But I can say as an eyewitness, he's not there. On that third day, God gave life to that lifeless body. He rose from the grave, triumphant over death. During those three days, I'll close with this. During those three days, Friday to Sunday, matters of tremendous spiritual significance occurred for all of us. I believe the prayer that Jesus prayed, he prayed to the Father that we all be one. So it's all for, for all of us. During these days, from Friday to Sunday, this spiritual significance occurred. Jesus paid the price for our sins. All the wrong things that we've ever done, all the wrong things we will someday do, things that deserve punishment and retribution, these have been paid for, literally paid for, literally paid for by the death of Jesus Christ, by his blood, his resurrection. He bought our salvation. He bought our freedom. I'm free. He bought our freedom. And then on the morning of the resurrection, the process was complete. That's what I take with me. That's, that's why I say it's all right. God raised him to life, proving that there is nothing in this world that the power of God's love cannot conquer. And I tell you this, he loved you. Franklin Graham was in Rochester on, on, on a Sunday. He kept on saying, I just want you to know God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. And Paul said it like this. He said, I'm convinced. This is in Romans chapter 8. I'm convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. God bless you.